Sexy Sexy. Good afternoon, Tam Tam. I'm delirious. I feel like I'm just going to start singing the rest of the podcast. This is, I mean, we are just, we're podcast crazy today, aren't we? We're podcast crazy. We've we're recorded podcast so many crazy. And then I thought to myself, like, we've recorded so many podcasts, but there's only like once a week. So like, <laughs> we, we, just try to, we just try to do them all in one day so we don't have to put makeup on more than like once a week. Yeah. I know. Or change you know? underwear, right? Yeah. Change underwear. Shower for that matter. You well, know, who do we have today, Oh, well, this girl and I, we have something in common because we both love unscripted tea. TV. Today, we have like the queen of unscripted TV when it comes to podcasts, Miss Kate Casey. Yay! Hey! Welcome to Woo! Run on Top on the Bottom of the Sodder. Anyway, you want it? All of it. <laughs> we're so delirious. You're like, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, okay, fresh from the shower. Like, wake up. You're like so fresh and so clean. Yeah. So fresh and so clean. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it feel good when you shower when like you realized how long you haven't showered for? <laughs> Sometimes, but I have so many kids that I feel like sometimes I rush through it and it's like, oh God, this is still a disaster. You have a lot of children. <laughs> you have a lot of children. It's like yeah. a school bus, like a school bus full of children. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, five kids under 10. Like what, what, tell us, tell us, give us Please a tell us. Yeah. Tell exactly this conception process, exactly how, because I remember both mean, times I conceived mean? mine. Like I knew exactly where I was, what position, like it was the dolphin position. I put my legs up. <laughs> myself upside down but you don't I don't think you needed to do that because you have a lot of children yeah I don't know I just I think that the first baby I had I just had such a great experience I just felt like I don't know why anybody would want to stop and then I feel like and then it didn't go so well after that well I just feel like a lot of people think they I mean they obviously look at me like I'm in a cult but <laughs> the truth is the more children you have, the easier it gets because they all play together and they all help out. Like I'm homeschooling because of this at home and I can delegate a lot. So the 10-year-old helps the 8-year-old out. The 8-year-old helps the 6-year-old out. The 6-year-old helps the 4-year-old out. So it all kind of works itself out. And I don't really overstress about play dates like a lot of people do because I just make them play together. And listen, yeah. <laughs> I don't have... I always say I don't have much in common with them, so they need each other. Like, exactly. <laughs> we don't. We don't have any of the common interests. We don't have the same plans, so that's why that's I made smart. Yeah. So do you get like a day of like? Can you have like a free day? Do you send them on their way at like eight in the morning to play, and then like you get the day to yourself, and like you don't have to deal I, again. No, I've never had a free day. No, um, I, that's the only. T- <laughs> I'm sorry. I do think about that. Like other people probably get like time to themselves. I don't, but I don't know. I feel like I'm a master uh, multitasker. Mm -hmm. And the backstory is when I was 14, I went to, my mom sent me to a boarding school that's called the, it's called the Milton Hershey school. And everybody who goes there has to be financially and emotionally needy. So most of the kids are come, come from orphan families or single parent families. So I lived in a student home with 16 girls in high school. So I'm used to noise. I'm used to everybody pitching in, everybody working together to keep the house clean, to do chores. So it's not that unusual for me to be around a lot of chaos. So I guess I'm just comfortable in that zone. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Like I... No. uh I'm a good mom when I'm calm and not anxious, but when it becomes too much... I'm snappy and I'm irritated. Well, and yeah, I mean, I how guess do you I do. calm yourself? I guess I do, but I probably yell, but then I can recover quickly. Yeah, yeah. But in some ways, sometimes I think that oddly, the more chaotic that it gets, sometimes the more mellow I get. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I hate Disneyland. Yeah. Every time I walk into Disneyland, I'm just like, this is hell. Just yeah, like be calm. Just breathe. And I'm like pretty chill throughout. That's when you yeah. take your swell bottle of rosé. So you take exactly. it along with you and just have a little sip here and there. Yeah. <laughs> so five... Oh God, I mean, that's amazing. So you were crazy, crazy multitasker. How did you launch your podcast? Because it's, you know, yeah. you've been around since, what, five years now? Four, yeah, about four years ago. So I... I, my, my previous chapter in life, I did uh, media consulting for global law firms and always uh, loved the entertainment industry, moved to LA for work. And I worked in an office 
with entertainment publicists. And I always felt like I knew more than they did. Mm-hmm. Like I have a photographic memory for useless information. Same. So wow. I, I started, I moved to New, uh, Newport Beach because my husband started a software company and I had my first child and felt like I wanted another outlet. And my husband's best friend said, write about what you know. And I started writing about television. I started doing like television recaps and Mm -hmm. it turned into like Real Housewives recaps. And I got a big following from that. And then I started getting invited on podcasts to talk about reality TV. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I would love to do a show where I could interview people who had been on reality shows and catch up with them. Like you were on the first season of The Real World. Like how did it change your life, et cetera. So it kind of started with that idea. And yeah, so it's like 250 episodes later. And I've really been privileged to talk to quite a bit of people, but it it, it started out focusing more on Bravo shows. But in the process, it's brought into everything in unscripted television. So one week I could be interviewing a housewife or somebody from The Bachelor, but then I'm interviewing the director of uh, I, the Michael Jackson um, documentary on HBO mm-hmm. or um, a, a quarterback, high school quarterback who is on a, a documentary series on Netflix. So it's always different. I just feel like people call me the Diane Sawyer of reality television. <laughs> I just feel like I really do interviews with not just talent, but the people that make unscripted television. So unscripted television is reality TV, docu-series, and documentary. So if anything under in that under that umbrella, um, I'm either interviewing someone or, or doing research on it. And uh, it's been really fun. And it's a great job for me because I consider myself a highly curious person. Mm-hmm. So I get to find out things about all corners of the world, which is really the best unscripted TV is when you are sort of a voyeur into a world that you don't know anything about. Would you ever interview anyone from Tiger King or are you going to? I did interview, I did interview the guy that wrote the first expose for the New Yorker. And then he made a podcast for Wondery. And so I interviewed him and he gave me so much behind the scenes. It was like an hour of pure What was like the juiciest, what was like the juiciest thing he told you? Like he was telling me about more about Carol Baskin and the lies, the lies that she had said about her ex-husband and that Joe, the reason that he was able to lure uh, John back to the zoo was pretending that he had cancer and that, and that uh, Joe, uh, Joe, John had got uh, the receptionist, the new receptionist pregnant and they had a baby together. (gasps) And then that's when he lied and said, you should come back. I have cancer and that tra- uh, Travis basically he wasn't even gay. He was just a drug addict mm. and that he had told his yeah, family you can tell that mm. he, he had told his family that he had to use drugs in order to even be intimate with him. He was <gasps> just lost. And he was actually, he was actually, actually filmed. Uh, he spent uh, like a week there. Oh. Uh, at the zoo and so just everything the way it smelled I mean I asked those kind of questions like what did it smell like and who lived on the property and what were right. they like and uh-huh. so I when- feel like anything in unscripted tv like a documentary or anything I'm going to interview somebody and get extra it's like the dessert like extra information for you yeah what did it smell like he said it smelled like <laughs> dead meat cat urine and hay all mixed together oh that's pungent yes <laughs> it's like a house in quarantine yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> yes. exactly so who has been like your favorite guest um from you know the inscripted world on your podcast um i probably there's like a, a handful of people that stick out more than the rest like actually last week i interviewed marcus limonis he's the host of cnbc's the prophet so he goes in and helps small businesses. And I was totally surprised how personal it became. He talked about his childhood and suffering from an eating disorder and being abused by a relative and his suicide attempts. And then mm. his his climb to success and gave some great advice to small businesses. I've interviewed um, Shangela from RuPaul's Drag Race, who was in A Star right. Is Born. And I thought his story was really interesting. Um, Actually, people often ask me, like, who surprised you most? And I would say, um, Mike, the situation from Jersey Shore. Why? Really? Yeah. Because 
he, at that point that I interviewed him, he had some time to reflect. He had been off TV for a little bit. It was in that dip when the Jersey Shore had gone off the, the air. And he just said things like, God, you know, first of all, I had a really bad addiction at the time mm-hmm. that I filmed and I didn't treat people well. And I feel badly about that. And why did I let my brother take care of my finances? And, 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 and I look back at that time fondly because of the relationships that I made, but I didn't treat people well. And for that, I feel terrible and I'm really working to fix that. And so it's oftentimes the people that have been off television or like Norman Corpy was in the first season of real world. He was the first person on television to, to be out, to say, I am gay mm. and to talk about that experience and how it really changed people's perspectives of the LGBTQ uh, community. Mm-hmm. Because now they had a face to it and, and and the countless letters that he got from people saying, I saw you and I knew I could stand up and tell people who I really am. And just interesting. Like I, it's, I, I'm always fascinated by every person I interview. I, and I do interviews a lot with producers of TV shows to mm-hmm. kind of find out mm-hmm. why they cast somebody or why they went in that direction or what inspires them. So I just love it all. Yeah. Who has been the worst guest? His name was Robbie Hayes. And he okay, was you're, I think you were going to say. Yeah, Without hesitation. Right it was like, his name was he Robbie. Was, <laughs> he was the worst because he was on JoJo season. And he, his description on The Bachelor was a, a, a former competitive swimmer, which really just meant that he was like swam in college, but he did pool sales. Mm. And he had an MBA, but he had said that because he was on the show, that he was flooded with job opportunities, people who wanted him to be CEO of their company because they were so uh, awestruck by seeing him on television. I should let you know that he has since appeared on just about every other reality show, including Vanderpump Rules. So I, I, I doubt that. I just felt like, come on, dude. Like what? And sometimes I do have guests that review shows and there was one guy that he was just a little bit too aggressive in his point of view about The Bachelor Mm -hmm. that annoyed me. But for the most part, I do find that I like most people. And I think it's because I've always set out when I pursue someone, I'll say, look, you seem like a one dimensional person on television. I want to make you a three dimensional person. Like I want people to know more about you so that when they watch you, they think, Oh, I get that because of that thing that happened to them. That kind of they they look through right. life with this lens. Right. So it's I try to give people a bigger uh, or more perspective on on someone. Do you ever get burnout when it comes to podcasting? Because like, how do you keep it fresh, or is it just trying to find that nugget of gold within each person and then try to expand on that? Because everyone, I'm always like, sometimes I go for my run and I think, well don't ask the same question, but it's funny because if, if you asked a hundred people the same question, you get a hundred different answers. So how do you just keep finding the interesting part to each interview? Well, the good thing is it's a different, everything is so timely and it, it's, it's much like the job that I had before this, like that my job was always different because it depended on the news cycle. And in the same way, my sh- podcast is about that because what I was, what we're all watching now was totally different than two years ago. So because television is constantly shifting, it makes the show fresh. I would Mm -hmm. say that the thing that I get burned out about is the promotion of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I'm, this is my second chapter. And for me, and I didn't have this enormous platform before because I wasn't an actress or I wasn't, I didn't appear on an episode of The Bachelor that everybody now follows because they like to see their outfits. So I would kind of started from the ground mm-hmm. up. Uh, and so that's probably the thing that that's the hardest. And I've never taken a break. I had a child and still put an episode out. So mm. like um, within that week, like within. I did. <gasps> yeah. Oh wow, girl, you are good. <laughs> not, so you've not never taken one week off, even. I have never in my life. Out. I've never in my life had a maternity leave. Not even when, like, my first child. Uh, she was born. I worked in the hospital during labor. <gasps> yeah. I just have never taken a maternity leave. Why so is that? I, do you, yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, do you just think it's you? Would, you don't want to allow yourself here? Is it oh, fear I think that- be, yeah, I think it's because my, my job for so long, I was the breadwinner for a long time when my husband started a software company and just the paranoia of as a consultant, it's like, 
well, you're, everyone's expendable. And if you're not Mm -hmm. available, they'll find someone else who is. So I just never took vacations. I've always worked because I think that I just, and in my childhood, I just think that I'm always like, well, you can be replaced. And and that's kind of like gnaws at me. Um, It's true though. You know, even like I've been an actress for 20 years and you always thought that building a career meant something, but it doesn't. There's always someone who, you know, I'm producing a movie right now and they sent me a list of 35 top people that all mean the same thing. So if someone turns something down, then you can be replaced by someone else. So it's that constant struggle to be chosen and to be like picked in a way, you know? And I feel like, but I feel like everyone suffers from that. And it's not just in the entertainment business. It's in every business. I think it's really hard to be a consultant. It's Mm -hmm. just really, and it, 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 in any capacity, if you're in financial services, or for me, it was in the legal industry, I just was always mindful. But at the same time, it also makes you really good at your job, because your work ethic is tireless. So um, rarely they do replace the person that has the best work ethic. I always was a firm believer to be the last person to leave the office. So Mm I feel like I, I work so hard. Um, so I guess the frustration sometimes is like, did I connect with people? Do they, do they appreciate? But I think for the most part, people that listen to my show are grateful because it, for them, it's, a, it's an escape. Mm-hmm. And I'm oftentimes kind of their navigator to something that they can watch. That's like a great escape for them in their life. And I like to think that I'm really thoughtful about the shows that I choose. Like I give my, my listeners a lot of homework. Like this, this is something like, here's, here's something I'll give you guys is that I got, I saw a screener for an upcoming documentary. I think it comes out next week about Natalie Wood. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's every, you remember how everyone talked about Tiger King? Yeah. This will be the next, this this is the next one. This is the next one. This is the next one. So uh, yeah, I mean, people are busy. Um, and I just want to give them something. They're like, Oh, awesome. After work is done and the kids are going to bed, like I can, there's something I can look forward to. So you think it's because it's because of the story itself or is it the way it's shot? Like, is it just like, why is this documentary so good? It's the stories. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pulling back the layer on someone that you thought you knew, you knew the story, you listen to a podcast about it, or you read about it. But the daughter, her daughter is the, um, is the producer and sort of the story. She's the narrator. And then to hear their family's uh, story and then to see archival footage. And then at the end of it, her husband, Robert Wagner speaks mm-hmm. for the first time about the night that she died. Mm-hmm. And it's just very compelling. And I just found it to be a mom. I, I found myself crying my eyes out because I thought about, you know, the loss that her daughters had losing, you know, what they faced when, when their mother died. And, and also just about the possibilities that ended because she was at this interesting age where she had daughters and she was aging and Hollywood at that time was like her role opportunities Mm -hmm. were kind of drying up and she was sort of torn. And he was frustrated because he wanted her to be home with the kids, but she didn't want to let go of her job, but she felt she was sort of in this limbo. And I think that that, that is going to speak to a lot of people right now. Like whether it's your children or you're between two jobs or a friendship or something, I Mm -hmm. think people will relate to that. Mm-hmm. I feel like your perfect job would either be a death investigator or, <laughs> or, or like, a, or a script writer. It's like somewhere yeah. if like the two, if the two could meet somewhere in the middle, I think that would be a perfect job because to be someone like a death investigator, and I'm not even kidding when I say this, like you have to really have, like you said, curiosity and to try to solve the crime. Like how would that person yeah. think? Why would they think that? Where would they go? Why, what would they look like? See, my husband's a, a writer. And when he tells stories just about like going to the coffee shop, it frustrates the shit out of me because I'm like, I don't want to know the felt tipped shoes he was wearing, but all these details make up the sum of all parts, right? So when it comes to things like investigating or storytelling, I think you've got a really, I think you have another career as well, a a third. I appreciate that. I'm I'm actually, um, I'm actually now moving into production of unscripted TV. Uh, Oh, there you go. What's on the docket for you? I mean, what are you thinking? What type of TV? I mean, what type of show? um, I've cast and created a show that we were just about to sell. 
before the pandemic. So I'm sure it'll, it'll be fine afterwards, but, um, it's about, uh, female CEOs in London, oh. a group of women that are, that run companies and the kind of a window into their world. Ah, so it's like the business side as well as the personal side. Business mostly. Oh, like, business mostly. Okay. Like what does it take to be a CEO? Yeah. And London. like, that's interesting because like with children too, there's not a lot of gatekeepers who are women. So no, I, because there's not a lot of gatekeepers, it's like, there's not a lot of, uh, understanding when women are CEOs and have families because there's not a lot of people who are making the rules that are mothers, you know? So yeah, it, yeah it'll be, it's interesting when you say that, like, I want to see that. Yeah. It's, are they moms? Are they moms too? Um, all but one. But the yeah. one that's not a mom is because she just, she's getting married next month. Mm-hmm. But they all have extraordinary personal stories and they're all living in. I was interested in exploring this uh, cities across the world and starting with London about like, how hard is it to make it? Do you need to be part of the aristocracy? Is Does it help or hinder you if you're a foreigner? And what is the caste system like? And how, uh, like, what percent of women get access to capital? And what percent of women sit on boards? And mm-hmm. can somebody... Can somebody in Wisconsin who thinks to themselves, I'm bigger than the city, could I start a business in a place like London? Like, we want to answer that for you mm-hmm. and, and, and inspire younger women to, to pursue w- what they really want to do in life. And that might be running a company. And this is what it entails. And the best part about it is they're all really good friends and they support each other. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of feel like at this point in my life, I'm a women's school graduate. I have four daughters. Um, I, the female story is my North star and I have watched an enormous amount of unscripted television. And I just think there's a lack of really incredible women, female stories out there. And most certainly when it comes to women in business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually it's a story of like women tearing each other down, you know, and they, or they're trying to pit women against each other in, in the business setting. So like what you're describing sounds very interesting because it's actually a group of friends that I'm assuming are supportive of one another and kind very. of come up together sort of a thing? Like, are they all coming up together? Like the same kind of amount of the same time or are they at different levels? Different, different levels, different industries. Um, and then there's this, they're a part of this incredible charity together and they all are passing the torch on to their younger daughters. Mm -hmm. I think it's, but they're all funny and they're beautiful and they're cool. So, um, I just think people are really going to be taken by it. And I certainly think that the television is shifting that people are hungry for, for stories about people who make and build things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you excited for your young girl's future or are you afraid? Are you afraid because of the climate that we're in when it comes to the environment and, you know, scene and they're ball busters and we're a family that is all about solutions. So yeah, I love that. Let's not complain. Let's figure out a solution. And if we always work from that fundamental place, things will always be okay. I Mm -hmm. tell them to be light holders, be the light holder, be the people that people go to, to find answers and solutions. So Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about them. I think that we're, we've got a really great, um, kind of like family mantra. And, uh, I just think Ever the world is shifting and opportunities are opening up and women are less um, willing to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about them. I think it's going to be a totally different world than the one that we were born into. And I'm grateful that I've been able to have them. Was that something that you grew up with? Like, a, you know, growing well, up I, being a light holder or light well, holder? I had a feminist mom who always took me to go vote and mm-hmm. we were required to know what was going on in the world and most certainly about politics. And then I went to college for political science. And as a college student, I got to work on a presidential campaign and I got to work at the White House. And I just, uh, I've always just felt like move the conversation forward. Like how right. can we fix things? So, mm-hmm. But I'm also like just really curious about people. And I, I think that that's the most important thing I really took that for them is that I want them to be curious people. Like if you go on a play date, you better come back and tell me two interesting things about their parents <laughs> or their family culture. So that they're always just like trying to broaden their own perspective that 
that it's not um, just like uh, they don't live in a bubble. Um, my daughter went on a play date once and came back and her hair was chopped off. <laughs> well, that's, that's, those people are you're like, that's, yeah, you're <laughs> not what you're talking about. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, my hair, my daughter chopped her hair today for the first time. No. When I came out of our first podcast recording, I walked out and she goes, mommy, I have bangs. I was like, oh, okay. I guess they'll grow out at some point. <laughs> right. You just have to go <laughs> along with it. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Well, speaking about kids now, have your kids driven you crazy in this quarantine? Well, yeah, but I'm also like mean. I'm for, I'm really mean. Like I'm You're all mean? about yeah. I'm all, I'm all about schedules, and I yeah. just feel like you want me to homeschool. I'm gonna homeschool the shit out of this place. I know. Like, I know. That's what I've been doing. But I get angry. I get mad oh, yeah, because I, I feel I feel like my daughter plays me. So like. The other day we had to write J's like J was the letter of the day. So like she'll write it perfectly on her own. And then when I sit down there with her, she like gets the pencil. She like moves it down to the bottom. And just before it flicks under, she makes it into a Q just to fuck with me. And I swear to God, I'm like, it takes everything in me to not be like, you're grounded for a week because I know she's doing it. And I know she's doing it to push my buttons. But I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I just get angry and, and that, that is not a solution. That's definitely not yeah. solution orientated. <laughs> you just have to pick your battles. It's really annoying. I think I also got an email from school uh, just to remind me that next week is teacher appreciation week. And I was like, Does that mean us? Does that mean us? I got to tell you, I got, I, I got, I got super fired up about that. And then I do feel bad because a lot of those teachers are moms and they're trying to make it work too. But I mean, I just feel like I'm going to be glad when this shit is over. I'll tell you I that know. much. And appreciative of teachers too, like yeah. and what they do do because. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would not, you would not want to see me with 20 kids trying to do J's. That's no. for sure. <laughs> the patience that they have. I mean, the patience yeah. alone, even like after 20, 30 minutes of homeschooling, it's, it wears, it wears mm-hmm. on me so much that I literally want to pull my fucking hair out, you know? Yeah. And then I have a baby who just learned how to walk in quarantine. So like she wasn't walking and then they were like, quarantine, like everyone don't leave the house. And then now she can walk. And her favorite thing to do is to put my charger around her neck and put her finger in the light socket. That's like all she wants to do. And we have so many great like toys and colors and non-colors. If you want to do the black and white thing, it helps her like vision, hates it all wants to kill herself. It just doesn't work. (laughs) And and this entire, if you look around our house, it's got like six, I can see four gates right now and she knows how to open them. So it's like, what's the point? (laughs) I know. I know, it sucks. So what are like some tips that you have to keep your sanity during this quarantine with kids and like juggling work and your, you know, husband and what are some of the things you do to stay sane? I think that you have to know what, what you need to recharge. So for me, I have to exercise. I have to exercise. Same. It's the Same. only way I can stay awake. It's the only way I can recharge. So I make time to exercise every day. And I really enjoy at night just being able to watch TV. So same. I just keep, keep that in my person. brain. <laughs> like, like I'll, be, I'll be fine because at 7.30 I can sit down and watch TV. Like I'm going to barrel through it. Now, are yeah. you just watching like all unscripted TV when you watch TV? Or are you watching like... Are Almost... You- I almost never watch scripted TV just because I don't have, I don't have enough space for it. Cause there's so many things I'm probably covering five to six shows per week. Okay. So, and I'm always looking for new, like right now I'm really into the show on Netflix called QB one, which is um, by Peter Berg. And it follows three high school quarterback players in a season. And they have varying degrees of privilege, different parts of the country. And so I get sucked in because I want to know their personal stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'll watch Real Housewives of New York tonight because I just interviewed somebody a couple days ago. Who, who was it? Who was it? Um, Leah, the new housewife. And she was great. Um, okay. And my friend, my producing partner, created that show. So um, I, so I'll watch that. And what else is on tonight? I, I will keep up with the Kardashians just to see what's <laughs> going on there. Because I feel like they're trendsetters in terms of television. Yeah. Um, there's some really good, I don't know if, because 
I hear you with the scripted thing. I love to watch scripted, but it's sometimes you just have to get too invested in it. And I just don't have the time because I work until about nine 30 and the baby's up at five. And so I have like literally from 10, if anyone like screws with me at 10 o'clock, I'm like, you can't talk to me. You can't call me. I don't want to text you (laughs) from like 10 to 11. I don't want to do anything, no work, nothing, but you do, you have to be more invested when it comes to scripted because you have to like get into the whole story. But I'm loving stand up. This really great stand up right now on Netflix and really great. There's an improv special. Special. I really want Roxy oh, to see. It's okay. Which one is that? Swartz, it it's called Swartz and Middleton. I, okay. You're welcome. Middleton or Middlemitch, or we, if you look up Swartz and Middle something, okay. it's on Netflix. It's a three three hours. So it's a one hour, one hour, one hour. So it's three okay. specials. It is the best improv I have ever seen in my entire okay. life. They are they are magicians. It, it it's some of the best work I've actually ever seen on stage. Wow. So it's on Netflix. Then we interviewed a girl uh, last week called um, Taylor... Uh, Taylor Tomlinson. Tom- yes. Oh, I know. I did stand up with her. I did stand up with her before. Yeah. Oh, you, you do, do stand up too? Stand up? Uh-huh. You do it? Yeah. Look oh. at her. She's like... Oh. Yeah, she, I love her. <laughs> she's really talented. Yeah, she's really talented. So the quarter life crisis. And there's an... I just... I love the sketch shows that they have right now. They're really focusing on, on Netflix. And I do think it's it's not reality for me, but it's a way for me to leave my brain, but not have to get too invested into a story. Right. Yeah. Cause you can kind of like take your, it takes your mind off of things. So you can escape. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What are you watching Roxy? What are you watching? You haven't oh, told God. me. You know that I love my real housewives. So of course I'm yes. watching Beverly Hills and New York city. And what is this whole thing with like Randy Glanville and Denise Richards having a torrid love affair? What? Oh, I'm going to tell you what I'm getting my yes, hold on. I'm, get, I'm just getting my charger because it's about to die. Wait, hold on oh my God. No, come back. Come back. <laughs> come back. I'm so sleepy. <laughs> I've talked to you for like 23 hours. So. I know, straight. We should just That's make it. it a marathon, do it all night long. So we'll do another 15, I think. And then my poor husband, I'll take the kids. I'm like, he's never going to like let me lift this down. <laughs> okay. I was just telling Roxy that um, my husband's going to kill me for today because I've left him all day with the children. But, you know. Oh, Wait, tell us a scoop. It's my life. So the story is that Brandy and Denise had been having this, what they call a fair. They've been hooking up for a couple months and that someone in the cast spills the beans. And I thought for a while, I don't know, is that that big of a deal if two women were intimate? Like maybe it's no big deal to her husband. It seems like they're very open sexually. But I think what the real issue is, is that Denise told Brandy things about each cast member because they're like intimate. Uh-huh. And that Brand- they knowing that Brandy kind of has an open mouth, that within the confines of the show, Brandy says everything that Denise told her in confidence. And that's what pisses everybody off. Hmm. And I think there's something retaliatory, like fine, we'll, we'll expose that you guys have been together. So. Okay. Okay. Cause she's no longer filming with the show, right? Denise, Denise is not filming. With no, her. she did film. She did like what happened was during filming. She was so frustrated that she would show up and then leave quickly after. Okay. And they were all like, I mean, with a lot of these shows, the backstory is like, we all sign a contract. We're committed to film for a certain amount of time. And they all get frustrated. If one person isn't filming, mm-hmm. like they used to get mad at Yolanda Hadid because they felt like, I'm sorry that you're sick, but we've all signed contracts and you're making quite a bit of money or we're making the same amount of money, but we all need to show up. Right. And so that's like the fourth wall element is really hard or has been hard for some of these shows. And that's, what's great about this season is they're going to kind of break that fourth wall and expose what all the stuff that happens behind the scenes. So that was great in the first episode where that you showed Denise kind of leaving and you can't leave. It's more about that. Like you're committed to, to, to film. Like Lisa Ren is like, listen, I got shit to do. I don't want to be here all the time, but I'm committed mm-hmm. and you should be here too. You can't just like not engage in conversation because that's what we've all signed up to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The real, real star of the show though, Beverly Hills is Mauricio Umansky. <laughs> he's, like, he's 
Stone always all the high. Time. Yeah. Always high. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell he's high? I mean, I haven't seen Oh, yeah. That. He yeah. just literally will, oh my God, Tamman, it's so funny. All of a sudden they'll be like at the dinner party and he'll just <laughs> say something like out of the blue with like half masked eyes, just like, yeah. <laughs> and they go back to eat it. It's like, yeah, he's always high. I, I find Denise's husband to be very odd and his whole um, talk last night about a fusion energy. It's like, did you even graduate from high school, let alone college? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they now they're claiming that they're followed. I'm like, well, maybe, I mean, if paparazzi still exists, maybe they follow you, but there's certain, certainly the pharmaceutical companies give two shits about yeah. Malibu 360 and now you're doing chiropractic work. But he is really believes himself to be in like grave danger because he, he has figured out the way that how to heal people's uh, organs through his mind control. Like he's yeah. bonkers. So why do these people sign on? What do you think the, the well, genesis of it all is? A lot of it is that it's like a great platform for, for their other businesses, that have, uh, other businesses, but sometimes it's people that have kind of, I think another franchise is like in Orange County, the archetype is like a woman who is 45, who has a wealthy husband, but doesn't have anything else besides their kids and their husband. Mm -hmm. And perhaps their husband has moved on to another woman. And they're like, Mm -hmm. I need something for myself and I need to be financially um, strong. So this is my way out. Right. So if I show, show up, sign up for the show, then this becomes my new career, a TV personality, even though I don't have a college education or I never mm-hmm. I haven't worked anywhere in 14, 15, 25 years. Um, so it's their escape. But for somebody, the archetype for like a Beverly Hills housewife is often like, I, this part of my life, got opportunities have dried up. So this is going to open new doors. I think that most women in Beverly Hills who have a husband who like is a studio executive or a high powered person would not do the show. So it's typically mm-hmm. people who are like, like a Garcelle, maybe like, I want to move into my second chapter of my life because perhaps I can't get as many acting roles, but maybe this can boost me into a platform where I'm now a television personality because they do make quite a bit of money. You start making money like your third season of a show. Mm-hmm. And well, how much money do they make? Yeah. So like the first season they're making, it's it like depends 10. on the franchises. No, it's like, I don't know, like twenty six, twenty five thousand dollars $25,000. But then by the third season, you can be making seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars Good job. Um, wait, 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 an episode? Yeah. First season. Um, but then like for the season, right? For the season, but then for somebody like a, a like a Vicky Gumbelson or somebody who has been on the show for many many years, they could be making in excess of, of like you know over a million dollars for filming for three or four months. Granted, they do pick up interviews every once in a while, but you know she doesn't make them about like the most of her money from selling insurance. It was from being television personality, and then mm-hmm. that's why it's but so hard for them when they're kicked off. No, it's that's the myth that you have to be wealthy yeah. to be chosen. I mean, Orange County, most of those women, Are they not. live in they're I mean, they're not excessively wealthy. I mean, they rent houses, they don't I think it, historically for that franchise, you've had a lot of people that have filed for foreclosure or they filed for bankruptcy or had foreclosures or so it's not like a, a New York, I think those women have access to real money, but mm-hmm. I don't think Orange County does. People have said that about Potomac. Like, this is not like extreme wealth. I think Bravo aims to ha- cast people that have like aspirational lives. Like, they wear great clothing. But I think what the trap is, is that a lot of women sign up for the show and then they feel like, I have to maintain this. I have to look mm-hmm. as youthful as I was the first season. So maybe they join at age 44. And then they're on the show till they're 52 and they feel like they have to still look like the 44 year old. Mm-hmm. And so they do lots of facial transformations and uh-huh. maybe because of the show, it exposed part of their husband's business that was unsavory. And then they have a dip in their finances, but they feel like they still have to maintain that look. And they my friend, Brian Moylan is writing a whole, a whole uh, book that's supposed to come out this year about, the behind the, the behind Real Housewives, and I think it's going to be really interesting for people to kind of learn. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. I mean, I have a really good I have a really good friend that's on um, Orange County, and it's like you know she'd call me crying while they're filming. Like I can't do this. Um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. I mean, it's definitely like 
if you want to maintain a solid marriage, probably not a great thing to do. Because yeah. And don't they want them? Don't they give yeah. them like a lot of like drinks and... Yeah. yeah. The producers like kind of make things happen. Yeah. Like create like... I don't think they push them to, to drink. I think that's more an individual thing. Like I feel like I'm more fun to be around. I'm more interesting if I drink. I don't think it's the producer saying, you know, here's some gin and tonics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think they the, create scenarios for them? Do they create scenarios for them? I like, don't. The producers? No, I, I don't. I feel like it's more like they sit down with the women. They're like, okay, well, what's going on in your life? I honestly believe that as much as people say it's scripted, the, the housewife shows, you talk about a cast of like six to eight women and they are ripping on each other off camera too. It's like, a lot of the fights, though, are things that don't have to do with the filming of the show, but what's going on outside of the show. Like, God damn it, why did she get this appearance fee and I got less money than her? Or that brand wants to work with her, but not me. Why? She's mm-hmm. a train wreck. And they become fixated. Uh, I wouldn't say they're real for many of the franchises, with the exception of a couple, but they're not true friends. They're co-workers. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of the fighting is about silly things that are have to do with the show, but they can't be talked about on the show because it would break the fourth wall. Like she got a good at it, but I didn't. And you're like, well, you are kind of like crazy. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you couldn't take anything out of the edit. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, and I, and I, the great thing about the job that I have is I've come quite friendly with a lot of producers from a lot of different shows. And I can say for the housewives, it's a lot like, no, they're, they, they will, they unravel because they're at each other's throats all the time well past filming so it's just an interesting it's interesting too because it's it's a group of women that are in this age group that historically have not been covered on tv and so it that show began with orange county where it was supposed to be about the lives of these women who live behind the gates and the complexities of their own personal lives and then by season two they wanted them to film more together Mm -hmm. and then it changed because it's like what is that relationship with that? Those two women, how do they know each other and what's their backstory and why are they up in each other's throats? The first season of Real Housewives of Orange County was great because you have someone like Vicki Gumbleson, who is in insurance and she has this woman working in her home office. And there's this like, there's, there's this like caste system, like the boss and then the woman that works for her. But then it flips because the woman in her office married up. And then the woman who was the boss is kind of threatened by the fact that she doesn't need that job anymore. And her husband is buying her a luxury car. And that to me was interesting because it reflected stuff that does happen in real life. And over the years, it's become less like that. And I do think that there is this concern of mine, very real concern, that we may have hit a wall where it's just not relevant anymore. It's Mm -hmm. not because the women are, are less women that, we're living their lives on television and more so women that are playing up life situations to become television personalities. Is your husband as into no, reality TV? No, he doesn't care at all. He only watches, he only watches scripted television shows. <sighs> so what do you guys do at night? So like if you've got all the five kids and then you watch TV at night, does he snuggle in and watch reality with you or do you watch something no. with him or do you just pass each other like ships in the night. (laughs) We'll sit together on the couch. We watch the news together and then he'll be on his laptop with earphones and I'll watch the TV or opposite. So we're sitting next to each other. How do you make it work with five kids? How do you, what's the secret of keeping a marriage alive with five children? Well, I don't know. I mean, like I'm no expert. I love when people ask me for like, parenting advice. I'm like, why the fuck? Why do you think I know anything? Well, because well, you still have a marriage and you got clearly. five kids and you're still together. Uh, yeah. Well, clearly she's yeah. keeping the, the sex up because she has five kids. Yes. <laughs> well, she just had sex five times. Yeah. I guess, I guess like I just find him really interesting and I like to be around him. I just, I think that it's important to find someone that you find really interesting and to be two independent people in an intimate relationship. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like I've struggled with codependency in relationships, and I feel like that's really unhealthy. Um, I don't think Roxy, you have codependency, not like I do, and it's not healthy because what happens is like when two trees are leaning on each other, it's like when someone is having a horrific 
experience or a bad day, then the other person kind of comes down with them. You know, it's like, instead of just being two planted trees, like you were talking about and touching. So being able to be, like you said, their own person. And I kind of need to, this quarantine has taught me like, who am I? Like why I need to figure out who, who I am without always being with somebody. But I don't think you, I don't think you feel that way, Roxy. Yeah. You know, it's funny in our wedding vows, when we got married, that was sort of like a big point that we wanted to have, because, you know, a lot of times when you're getting married, when you go to a wedding, you know, they say, oh, now we've become one. But in our vows, we were like, we will always remain two, but share like all these different things. I mean, for me, I don't, yeah, we don't, I don't feel codependent. In fact, I feel like we get more energized and we get more into each other when we spend time apart. Mm-hmm. So this quarantine has actually been very hard for us because we have been together so, 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 so much. You know, there is no escape. There's no, like for us, it's more like we keep it fresh when we're separate, you know, mm-hmm. and then come back together. Mm-hmm. So it's been hard for us to really like find this new normal and try to like keep it fresh because when you're in each other's grill 24 yeah. seven and there's nowhere yeah. to escape, it's a lot. I mean, that's, I'm, a, <laughs> yeah, I'm worried because this has been healthy. Well, I mean, not healthy. It's been good for us because we live very well in this codependent, like obsessed with each other state, what you doing, what you going, where you going, what you seeing like that. That's kind of like, so when I'm away from my husband too much, I start to feel very unsettled, you know, like when he goes on a job or like he's away for a month or two, I kind of get irritated and aggressive because I'm scared of scared of what I have no idea, but it's because I'm so used to having that other person with me that I don't feel like it's healthy. So I'm worried about after quarantine kind of figuring out, um, You'll still stay in quarantine. <laughs> You're not know, we'll just, yeah, exactly. Everyone else will not be in quarantine. I'll be like, yeah. we're still in our quarantine. <laughs> yeah. You feel, Kate, are you guys like codependent, you and your husband, or no, is it more like no. independent? Okay. Yeah, I get very annoyed by clinginess. It's my, it's a, it's a, it's, uh, I get triggered by it. I'm like, uh, I just am. I remember in college, if I would have a go out or something, my friends would say, okay, call me when you get to that spot. I'm like, why would I call you when I'm going? <laughs> and my sister's the same way. We're just like so independent. I, cause I went away to school so young. I think, um, I just really like to not have somebody calling me and bothering me all the time. So mm-hmm. by the end of the day, I mean, we've really seen each other. He's working from home. Um, but he's just working. He works seven days a week. I work all the time too. I, we just, we're, we like to do our own thing, but in then the same house, fight? it's okay. Do you fight then? Um, like, what do you yeah, fight the, over? We probably, what we fight about is he thinks I'm too hard on our kids, right. but I'm the pre- predominant person that's setting the schedule yeah, 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 yeah. and making sure they're on course. So uh, listen, I think I have high expectations of people and that's, probably difficult but that's probably i also kind of feel like the problem with the quarantine is now the other person is witness to how you really parent I know. Yes. <laughs> that is so 24 i did something really gross i'm not even gonna tell you guys what it tell was. us tell us tell us i'm Sarah, not even tell gonna tell you but i did it like without even thinking because it's like it's behavior that i do like by myself you know what i mean like if you like pick something out of ear, like something gross yeah. right physically gross or like pick a you know, whatever it is like pick your nose or do something out of your teeth or whatever it is yeah and he witnessed it and he looked at me and he said ew and I looked at him looking at me and I, I thought in my head, fuck, fuck. he wasn't supposed yeah. to be there <laughs> yeah. when I did the behavior that I normally do by myself. Yes. <laughs> but now they're seeing all of it. They're seeing all of it. There's no, there's nowhere to go. I mean, there's nowhere you, for, to go. you forget, you forget yeah. that they're there because it's like, they're there all the time now. Yeah. Do you guys have that like wall up Kate? Or is it like you guys are, are you doing everything in front of him? Like... Well, like he shuts the office and so he's working, but I like, he'll come up and be like, why are you yelling at them again? And I'm like, <laughs> what mother? <laughs> I'm, not I'm also like, I got a kid who's like, she's on the brink of like hormone, the bill. And it's like, you want to deal with that? Like, we, you know what I mean? It's just like, I have a one-year-old who's like running around oh, and then I have a t- yeah. like, so it's crazy. But I don't know. I feel like I'm, ho- I'm hopeful this is all going to end relatively sooner than people think so it's going to be a hiccup we're all going to laugh about it later we'll be fine i hope so i hope so i just want to go to the fucking beach but we can't do that anymore (laughs) 
Don't lie, Roxy. You want to go to the fucking bar? <laughs> yeah, I do want to go to the fucking bar, too. I do. You want to go to the beach and just be out with the people and go grocery shopping like normal. I'm like, no, you want to go have a martini. Yes. Or like at the Wilshire Hotel up the street. And and that's what you want to do. I just want to yeah. sit at the Reach Bell Will, have my oh, stiff martini. Oh. so good. When they put a little too much in your deal, they thought you had one drink, but you feel like you can't walk. <laughs> and it's so icy cold. Oh. So, so good. good. Can we do a rapid fire? Never have I ever. Yes. And then we'll let you go. I will take my kids off my husband. Miss Kate. So we do a rapid fire. Um, okay. Never have I ever. Yeah. About quarantine. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, Tamman, why don't you start? <laughs> Thanks, Roxy. Yeah. Um, never have I ever denied my husband sex in quarantine. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, no, I've never done that. You've never, see, I've never denied my husband sex ever. Have you? No, because like, what else are you going to do? See, I like you. Like you, you look like you're like so close. I I think we got each other. I think your fantasies are a little crazier than you make out. (laughs) Like, uh, she's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, See, I knew it. I knew no, it. Why not? Why not? Why not? Have you denied yours, Roxy? Uh, yeah, of course. Of in course, course no, not in general. In quarantine, you know what? Yes, because he made me mad. So then, like, when he makes me mad, and and then, then once like, that expects, and but but it's but it's I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. Like to let go of the anger just yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm still like I'm holding it over his head. You know what I mean? And I'm still yeah. a little pissed. Yeah. So it's more like a, a tool that I use. Like, But then you're losing out because then you don't get to orgasm. That's true. I know. You know what I mean? it's, like, a- it's like, no, I won't eat the chocolate because I want you to suffer. But <laughs> exactly. you. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face. I know. You don't get the chocolate yeah. either. Sorry. No, I right? Chocolate. Oh. <laughs> okay. So never have I ever let my kids eat expired food in quarantine. No, I would never. I have an aversion to expired food. It's like I'm a thrower outer. (gasps) So, like, as soon as that date hits, it's out. Oh, it's like even before that. It's it actually drives my family crazy. They're like, you threw out that. Like, why are I just? It's because my stepfather always had like moldy food in our fridge, and I just like I'm like ugh. It creeps me my out. My husband yeah. throws out my shit while I'm eating it. Like I, I, I won't even finish my coffee. I'll be like, where do, where did my coffee? Go? That is me. He's like, okay. He's like, I I he's like, I threw it away. I was like, I hadn't fucking finished drinking it yet. Oh my god, I would love. We would be very happy together. No, you'd have not. You, you would never eat or drink anything because you just yeah. throw out each other's food. Yeah. Oh, I love him already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear. I feel a swap coming on. Okay. <laughs> never have I ever let my hair grow on my body during quarantine oh no i do that but i like i really need my hair trimmed so bad and i that's what i think about all day long all day long i'm like i cannot wait to get my hair trimmed i can't take it anymore i'm letting my underarms grow just for quarantine because i've never done it before that's probably why i say that my husband won't lay on top of me um but i just want to know how long it'll grow and it keeps growing which is i just want to know i just want to feel like one of those like you know Going back, to, you're gonna braid and beat it. Yeah, I really yeah. want to. I want to be one of those girls. Is like, I don't care. Like, let us just grow all our hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why, Why not? not? Just right? I'll probably get rid of it. Over. I think a lot about people who are very frustrated that they did not get a like plastic surgery procedure before this. I know because you could have healed. Yeah. No one would have known. No one would have known. No one would have known. Never have I ever not brushed my teeth in quarantine. No, always brush. It's creepy. Always? Like, always. never just let it slide once. If I'm really oh. tired, I'm just like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Yeah, totally. Right? Or, yes. Or sometimes, like, with the fucking homeschooling thing, I'm, like, running to get to her, and then I forget. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I am a freshman. My daughter's is sometimes like, I promise I'll do it in the morning. Normally, I'm like, no, 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 no. But, yeah. then, not, like, on a Friday uh-huh. night, I'm like, it's Friday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Live on the edge. Live on the edge. <laughs> Here's a yogurt, and you don't have to brush your teeth. Yeah. It's Friday. <laughs> Okay, is it my turn? Yes. No, no, it's your turn. Okay. Never have I ever not showered in quarantine for more than two days. 
No, because I work out every day. And if I didn't, it would be horrendous. I just found out, by the way. Are you guys on Peloton? No, no, but I want to be. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so great. It's we get lots of stories with Paul all the time. Tell us. Well, no, I, somebody just sent me a note and said, are you aware that Howard Stern follows only two people on Peloton and you're one of them? And I'm like, <gasps> I don't know if that's possible. That I don't weird? understand what Peloton. So, so do you have to compete against people or something? Is that the whole deal? with? No, I think that some people like to do it together. So like they know that you're doing a class, you can kind of do it to the class together and you can high five people or like see what classes they're taking. So, Oh my God, you need to take it with Howard Stern like immediately, like tomorrow. I know it's not weird. I don't, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, is that really Stern show? I don't know if that's really him. But well, this woman said he, he he let the cat out of the bag last week that that was his screen name. Just weird, but hilarious. You're officially I love, I love Peloton him, so. famous. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I've been on the Stern Show a couple of times. It co-hosted um, the wrap up. Oh, I love the wrap up. How yes. was that? It was wonderful. I was three times I've done it. Oh my god, so that's great. amazing! Put that on your list of like things knock, I've done. Knocked it out of the. They park. keep having me back. I don't yeah. know why, but they do. <laughs> So that's amazing. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And tell everybody where they can find you. Well, Tam, are you going to have another baby in quarantine? <gasps> it's funny because we're getting rid of all our baby stuff, giving it to everyone. And no. I don't know if I'm going to have, you're going to have one more baby and it's going to be a boy. Don't say that. Did you, do you know I have yeah. two girls? Did you know I had Ooh. two girls? Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I have a superpower and it's knowing when people are going to have babies and what they'll have and what their names will be. Oh what's the name? What's, oh my God, what's the name? <laughs> um, if you say one of my names, I'm going to poop well, a little in my pants. I don't know why the first name that popped in my head was James. I like the name James. I think your next baby is a boy and you will, you will have three children. It's weird because I've got two, obviously. But I, I have hard pregnancies. They're both 10 pounds each. Mm-hmm. And I had a uterine, almost a uterine rupture with my second, which would have killed us both. We were like a day away from it, but we didn't know until they went in and saw that her face was coming through into my stomach. Mm-hmm. So I'm scared to have another child. Um, no, this would, one's not going to be bad. I would love, uh, well, maybe it's not going to be bad because I'd love a, um, a surrogate. That to me would be... <laughs> Kate, Kate, Kate can be your surrogate. Yeah, I mean, you had, you had I was going to say, you've had 10 babies. Yeah, oh, I love being pregnant. I love, love, love being pregnant. Are you going to do it again, Kate? Do you I think you'll it. do it again? I would like to have another baby. Yeah. Wow. I just don't know if my husband will let me. Last question. Do you think it's going to be soon or later? Because I don't know if I want another one right now, but then I don't want to wait four years. No, I think like, I'm going to say six months. I'll be pregnant in six months. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I see it. Like, I, I'm thinking like between six months and a year from now. No, six months. No, 16 to 18 months from now. Ooh, That's your get ready. Get it's ready, terrible. Mama Tamman. And if They're I don't like, have it in that window. Do your kids, do your kids have curly hair like you do too? Oh, very my first is blonde that, like blonde, the, like it blonde just curly popped in my head it's just like a boy i see a boy with oh brown God. curly hair but my daughter's got really curly like, brown hair and, and big eyes no she has big eyes <laughs> but can't you say that can't you say that for everyone she has really big eyes and big eyelashes um what are the girls names uh one is i forgot her names this is lennon can you see lennon oh, okay oh yeah that's the, the one, the baby I, like, you guys are like, who's this crazy woman? The baby that I see in my head looks like that. And that's my first one. Oh, okay. Lennon and Phoenix. Yeah. Well, you need a name that goes with that. Well, I wanted, I know, I wanted Ziggy, but I think that's too much. Or I wanted, um, uh, that's kind of it. That's my little one. Yeah, that's what I see. Boy, Maybe you just saw me on Instagram or something. Maybe you just like thought you saw it. <laughs> it's happening. We no, should start planning. I think, yeah, are you really, I are you really good like that? Are you really good like that? 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I, I've had friends where I've sent them notes like, are you pregnant? And they'll say, like Lacey Miller said, I just peed on the stick like an hour ago. Are you crazy? Um, it's either that or I'll meet a pregnant woman and I know the name of the baby they're naming. And I don't know, I've tried to figure it out if it's because I'm like tapping into what they're thinking or I'm tapping into like the baby telling me what they want to be named. I can't figure it out, but I always, like I've named a lot of babies. I wanted to call my girl James. Oh, interesting. Maybe it'll be a girl. No, we've got two. No, no, it's a boy. <laughs> I want a boy. This, I see a boy. I, and that was the name that popped right in my head was James. Mm. Roxy, don't oh. you try to knock me up. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get you pregnant, girl. <laughs> okay, so don't have sex in six months' time. Don't have yeah. sex. Yeah, oh. don't. Okay. But it sounds like you're worried about managing it all. But I'm telling you, you can manage it all. You can do it. I Pam. just, I just, for me, my career is really important, and you know, it's, it's, it's time. Not, it's not gonna you. It's and I don't want it to screw up. Like, and I want to give them a good life, and I want them to go. It's not gonna take away. It's just not gonna. I still want to travel. I still want to. You can like, still travel. You can still. Two to three is not that big of a deal. Because you have five. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. I think the transition from one to two is harder because it's like, can I do this? But you know how to do it. Zero it's to not- one is really hard. You'll be fine. But it's three. I'll tell my husband, see if he passes out after taking the two children for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, girl. Let's do it. Well, Let's don't do you think, but don't you think when he finds out that you're having a boy, he would be elated? No, because he only knows girls. But he also said before we had the second one, he's like, there's no way I can love the second one like, my fir- like the first one. And he's so obsessed with the second one. He's so obsessed i've never seen him like he's just he's he loves them both of course but like because she's a baby like he's just i've never seen him yeah. with a baby like this see what is it what's his name sean sean yeah i just think it's gonna be james maybe Let's i'm making a baby. it like that. just have a, ba- <laughs> have a baby just try it just do it's, it it's funny because I, i'm giving all, all my baby stuff away but in the back of my head, yeah, it, in the back of my head, I'm it's like, okay, they gave it away because yeah, I, in the back of my head, I thought I'll just get. You would want, you would want. Yeah, that's what he said. Anyway. He was like, you don't want like slobbered stuff. Like you'll probably no. want. Yeah. yeah. Done. Well, on that note, done. I have to leave before you say it's twins. <laughs> no, I don't see you having twins. Thank God, same. thank you, yeah. thank you. It's not gonna be but twins. Even if you, yeah, but even if you did, but even if you had twins, it would be fine. We all are fine. You figure things out as you go. Every, I don't everything like that happens is fine. I don't like postpartum mentally. For me, the first one was really hard. I had really bad postpartum with the first. I had maybe only 20% with the second. I feel like yeah. babies are hard on your marriage and then you get through it. But I don't know if I want to go through that again. Like I'm through it now, you know? Well, you got to go into it with a different mindset. Yeah, I did You're the second. Hot, like my pregnancy is going to be hard. I'm going to have postpartum. My career is not going to do you know be the same peak. My marriage is going to it's going to be difficult. You have just totally changed your mindset. This is an added baby to our family. This makes our the family dynamic even bigger and brighter. Mm-hmm. I will be infinitely more creative and energetic and 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 fun uh, to work with and a better multitasker with another child. Yeah. I've always, I've always thought I'd have a boy. Like I've never, there's no, like I'm the only child from my parents and then they were married before and they have children. So I'm the only child from them. So like, I've only seen, you know, my parents make me and what I look like. And I've never seen like my face on a boy. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to know what a son would be like or their heart or so. Like I've never had a son. I don't know. When you, when you, when you are in the shower and I say that just cause the water is kind of like meditative. I just tonight, like just think to yourself, like if I'm to have a baby, ask the baby, to I would let want me a know. boy. I would Tell want a boy. Me, yeah. like, like, do you, like, do you want to come in to this circle? Do you want to be part of this family? And I feel like you will get the sign. It's interesting. Cause, and I, I keep saying we have to let you go, but it just keeps getting more interesting. Um, I thought I was pregnant two months ago and I panicked. 
Well, we like, all panic at first. That's that's no, fine. No, but 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 I wanted the other two. Like the second one, I kept having miscarriages, and I, I I tried hard for her. Like I did everything I could for her to come, and she did. The first one was like on the first try, so it was like easy peasy. But I thought like having another one, there's still so much PTSD and pain and trauma from like the second one coming that, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know if I could do it again, you know, and that's where it comes from. You you can, it's going to be totally different. You have to flip the way you think about it. Yeah. Flip that switch. It it (laughs) adds to your life. It doesn't impede. It adds, it's bigger and brighter. Yeah. Okay, Roxy, you're up. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, hopefully I'm not giving off the baby vibe. <laughs> she, I, she, I want her to have another. But I think that shoves I know. She has the mar- she's got the martini vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to hit the bar vibe. Is she going to have another yeah. one? Roxy? No, but I feel like her, her, her career is going to, it's like taking off. Like there's, there's space. There's open. Ooh. Moving into that. Like I see that. Oh, I like that. I like that. Like it's brightness, like right next to you. Oh, like a so I'm at home with the children. Yeah, no, 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 Roxy's no. having martinis. I'm like, can I be Roxy, please? <laughs> well, I mean, but kids are great. Too. Everything's great. It's just, it's really what, like, what serves you and makes you bigger and brighter. And mm-hmm. I feel like her, 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 her happiness right now is, is in close proximity to opportunities that are coming. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. So the yeah. career, the career path is really shining. Right yeah. Now. Shining bright. Yeah. You're like, I feel like Tamman's more like in a nesting, but by the way, nesting means you're creating a show right now. You're creating, you're like in a creation. I want to be back on set. Like that's something that I miss. Like I've, I've been working for 20 years and the last couple of years I've been making babies. So I want to be back on set. I want to be on set. Like I miss it. Like I miss the smell, the touch, everything about being on a set. I miss, and it's been a couple of years now. So create the opportunity for you. You write the script, you write yeah. the things. My, movies, my movie just want. came out. Listen, please watch it tonight. It's called Breaking for Wales. We wrote it, produced it. It's with Tom Felton, Wendy McClendon Covey, David Koechner. Oh my God, Wendy. God, She's I great. Love her. Watch great. it tonight. Yeah. Watch it tonight. I love her so <laughs> much. I will. And I love David too. I love them. Right. Well, we're going to let you go for the fourth time. <laughs> no, my husband calls me a black hole. He's like, people cannot get away from you. You have to stop. It's, it's a problem. Okay, tell Roxy. everybody where they can find you. Tell everybody where they can find you. So my podcast is called Reality Life with Kate Casey. And anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can listen to it. I've got a really good Facebook group called Reality Life with Kate Casey, where we talk about unscripted TV. And it's great. You can find me on Twitter at, at Kate Casey. I tweet during shows and about shows all week long. My Instagram is at Kate Casey CA. I also have a Patreon page with bonus episodes at uh, just Kate Casey. Or as I say, you can find me at CBS in the sanitary napkin island aisle. <laughs> always, right? Always. Always. <laughs> and we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamman Sersak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on, on Top. top.